0: Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. But I want to begin with blessing the Lord one more time because He is a faithful and all-wise God. He is a mighty King. And it's important for us in this time to consider the hour we live in. But more importantly, to consider the God we serve. So we're going to to begin with Mark, chapter 8, verses 27 to 38. And then we're really going to see if the good Lord can cause us to see something that he's showing me. Now Yeshua and his disciples went out to the villages around Caesarea Philippi on the way he asked his disciples... Who do people say that I am? They told him John the Immerser and others Elijah, with others one of the prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders and the ruling Koenim, and Torah scholars, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. He was speaking openly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Then he called the crowd along with his disciples and said to them, If any man wants to follow after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and keep following me. We stress, and keep following me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake... And the sake of the good news, or the gospel, will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? For what could a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, in this unfaithful and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." Amen. That was a mouthful. It's interesting we always bring up this verse regarding Peter. And we and we, we tend to look at Peter and, and we're pretty harsh because Peter's trying to stop Messiah from going up to offer himself up. Because it's not according to the understanding of the day. They're expecting a conquering king. And this is where I want to stay around for a second because it is apparent in the Western world of faith that we have this problem that Satan has deceived the same way Satan influenced Peter to convince him that the Messiah would it, we would be under this time where things would always be peaceful, that we might not have to suffer things because as a disciple, he a disciple is a learner and a follower and also the one who imitates his master. So you have to understand if your master is going to go up and suffer, if your master is going to be come under shame, and if your master is going to be reproached and rebuked by leaders, and if your master is going to be ultimately abused and then put upon a tree as a curse, what makes you think you won't experience it as well? It's quiet. It's interesting that we know for a fact all over the world that people suffer for the name of Messiah. But I I want to set this as a premise is this is the very entrance way to being a disciple is to experience the full fellowship of the Master. As you can see right now in this time period, it seems that the the body of Messiah and the Word of God has come out of favor in the West, and I know that many of us are praying right now that that God would would revive us and that the world would would begin to accept us again, but i I have a different thought about it. This may not be very popular but it might actually save the multitudes of people who actually are in the congregations who don't know God. If any man wants to follow me, how many of you have ever came to faith with somebody preaching that message to you that if you weren't willing to forsake everything you have, you are not actually entitled to be his disciple. Do you know that's actually the gospel? You would never suffer for someone you're not willing to forsake all for. Abraham put his son and took him to an altar. Why? Because Abraham was a follower. Abraham heard what God said, and in in the midst of of, of what you see in Genesis chapter 22, you see an an amazing thing. You see the grace of God demonstrated by God stopping Abraham. You see the hope, even if it speaks up in the book of Hebrews, when it talks about Abraham expecting a resurrection from his son, because he understood if he offered up his son, the father would still continue to, to let what he said happen. It's so important to understand You see God commending Abraham from obedience. You see God commending Abraham and said, because you have done this thing, because you fear God. But there's a lot of fear in America. But very little fear of God. And I'm talking about in the house of God. I'm not talking about on the streets where they know not God. I'm talking about in the midst of the people who have been called by the Son of Man. I'm not, I'm not that great with PowerPoints, but my son's going to teach me. We're working on it. The Son of Man. Which takes you right to the book of Daniel and it lets you understand that the son of man was the one man who was taking up to heaven. And it says all dominion and sovereignty was given to him. And this is who the Messiah is declaring himself to be. But he said this son of man is going to be rejected by people down here. But he's going to be accepted by God up there. So we're going to go to the next slide in Philippians chapter 3 verse 17 to 19. And we're gonna just slide in and we'll just go into what has happened. What has happened is that I believe that most of us have, re- most of the people in the West have received a gospel that is sanitized. They remove the cost. They remove the actually following Messiah, and you want we what, like we're crying out for Pentecost, but without the cross. How can you get baptized in the Spirit and the power of God without first going into the ground and dying and getting put up on a tree and facing it? You see the move of the Spirit in the, in the men and you go, wow, I want that. But you don't want the cost to get it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Brothers and sisters, join In following my example, notice those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many who are enemies of the cross of Messiah have told you about them. Now I'm even weeping as I tell you their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And their glory is their shame. They set their minds on earthly things. Wow. I know that specifically in the circles that we walk in, the cross is, is it, it can be a bad thing because of what people have done in the past. And even my ancestry, you see crosses burned in people's front yards and you see it maligned and you see people who claim to know Messiah, but they didn't bear their cross, but they wanted to put people under the ban and kill people. They wanted to malign people. They attacked Jews. They burned people in synagogues behind the guise of following Messiah. But this is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about something entirely different. How many of you are familiar with the fact that when Abraham put his son on the altar at Mount Moriah, that is the future house where the temple was built? Don't you know in, in, first, in, it's in First Chronicles where David, he, he, he does something wrong. He, he, he numbers the people and a judgment comes on and David is wise. He understands that he didn't want to be judged by diseases or judged by other kingdoms, but he'd rather fall into the hands of a merciful God. But something happens. David gets led to, to an altar by an angel and, and David is offered by this man this, this, the opportunity for him to give him the altar and to give it for free. And David says, I will never offer up to God that which cost me nothing. And most of us have received a gospel that we, we got, we received something unto from God and, and, and we don't want to, it don't want to cost us nothing. We don't want to pay the price. You go, well, that's work salvation. I, I tell you again. If you think the blood of our brothers in, in Korea isn't costly, you're wrong. If you think what they're doing right now, why there's COVID, they still got a lot of free time to persecute and kill believers in China, they are murdering them right now. Just like they're doing in parts of Africa. We are in an unprecedented time where people are telling believers, you can't go to church, but these people can go to gay bathhouses. And they said that's an essential service, but the word of God is not essential. That's not in this state, but there's some states doing that. Do you understand that you'll have to stand in faithfulness for your faith? Your faith isn't what you did over here and then over here you deny him. Some of you have a doctrine that you believe when I made my confession 30 years ago and that stands firm. I'll tell you again, that's not proven true in China. Some of them become red guards to save their lives. They deny him. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But if you... By faith, trust in me. I'll be with you. My beloved brothers and sisters, the Messiah Yeshua's blood is quite costly. If you take away the blood and the price of your purchase, do you have believers that don't account it for a holy thing? And then they'll trample over this blood because they received it easy. No repentance. Repeat this after me. You come to church and never left the world. You come to the synagogue. You still serve your own self. And as it says in the book in Titus, by their deeds, they deny him. But how do you get glory out of this? How is this glorified? See, this is the, this is the, this is the thing that's amazing because I forgot to mention something important. After David refused to take it for free and he paid for it full price, he, they offer up the offering, then the fire of God comes upon the sacrifice. Show me in all of the history of the faith of believers but well, what we believe wasn't costly. And if it wasn't in a time of apostasy and falling away. You have to understand it's costly. It's expensive. God's glory will fall upon those who understand the price. Let's look at Luke 14, 25 to 35. I got to ask a serious, ask a, a question. Actually, what time am I supposed to stop? No, that's not. That, they would be here for a while. <laughs> okay, there you go. Cool. Now great crowds were traveling with Yeshua, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and figure out the cost to see if he has enough to finish it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and isn't able to finish everything, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king won't first sit down to consider whether he is able with 10,000 to confront the one coming against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far away, he sends an ambassador and asks for peace. So in the same way, whoever does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Therefore, salt is good. But if salt should lose its flavor, how shall it be made salty again? That's horrifying. It is not suitable for the soil or for a manure heap. It is thrown out. The one who has ears to hear, let him hear. See, Satan was desiring and and also it was the disciples weren't understanding that the cost of following Yeshua wasn't just participating and laying on of hands of people and miracles and signs and wonders. Interestingly enough, you're going to notice that we we look at the accounts of the gospels and we see that before Yeshua perished and or before he was put on the tree and was resurrected, you see the miracles and signs and wonders happening, but you also see people denying him to perform those miracles. Because there's something that needed to happen to them first. That's the something that we need to happen to us first. Do you want to be like the apostles before? Will they all leave him alone? Oh, you got glory back there. Or do you want to be like them after, when they were crucified with him, when their own lives were not their own, when they weren't sitting around arguing about with one another who's the greatest? Is that happen around here sometimes? Isn't that happen in the body of Messiah? I'm a Calvinist. Right? Don't you see? Either we are in error and the weakness is because of us or because God or we're all need to just become sensationists and God doesn't move in that kind of power and authority anymore. I'm not a sensationist. So the, the, the predicament is we have to come to a conclusion. The answer is it's not God that's the problem. It's us. Renounce all. Have you ever wrestled with that scripture? Do you understand? If you're a young believer, a young believer who might immediately want to rush to do it, and the people are going to run and put parachutes on their back, and they're going to come grab their arms and say, oh, brother, slow down. He doesn't really mean that he should govern everything. Well, it does say the government shall be upon his shoulders. You see, Yeshua, he's, he's going to be a sovereign king. How many of your arms do other than what your head says? Oh, I'm, this isn't fun, I know. But you want the glory of God, but to have the glory, you have to give all the glory to the crown. The one that's the head of the body. So that means you're going to have to begin renouncing all your crowns and all my crowns and all those things in our lives that we exalt against the knowledge of a holy God. Don't you see that we're getting chewed up and spit out of the mouth of the world? And it's a wonderful thing. It is wonderful that we're out of favor with the world. Why should we have it any better than anyone else who believes on his name? Yes, our God is faithful. He is so faithful. And his glory is in those who die with him. My plan was to talk about Peter and go through the life of Peter. Because Peter is like us, he wants to serve the Lord. There are bits and moments of Peter's life when he moves in amazing bits of, you know, faith. He just steps out on the, he just steps out of the boat. I mean, I don't think I would have did it. I would have been like, whoa, Lord. I wouldn't ask him. He's always asking questions. He's always, he's always wanting to know something. He's always, he's, he's the one bold enough to say, which one leans over? Who's going to deny the Lord? Hey, ask him. He did that. That's, that's Peter. But Peter also withstood the Lord to his face because the cost was standing before him. Do you think the body of Messiah in this nation has possibly been doing the same thing? you think we have to reconsider the glory of the head? So let me read a couple of passages about Peter. And as we read about Peter, may the Holy Spirit cause you to think a little bit about where we are. Because I'm, what I have to say is that this, this God we have is greater than the things we see out there. And as we move forward in walking with God, you're going to begin to see that this God is going to move in the things we've been asking for. But it is not going to come without a price. It isn't. It's, it's, just, it's not. If you offer up him this stuff that doesn't cost you stuff. What is the shema? What part of what you have and possess don't, doesn't the Lord want to love him? If it's all, that means all. And so as we look at Peter, we're going to look at uh, Matthew 26. This is, this is not up there. 69 to 75. Nope, we're going to do one before that. Matthew 26, 30 to 35. Let's look at Peter and his, 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 his declaration. I'll never deny him, he says. After singing the Hillel... They went to the Mount of Olives. Then Yeshua said to them, This night you will fall away because of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter replied to him, Though all fall away because of you, I never will. Yeshua said to him, Truly I tell you, the very night, this very night before a rooster crows, or you know, depending on the interpretation, you'll deny me three times. Even if I must die with you, Peter says to him, "I shall never deny you." So said all the disciples. Peter makes a proclamation that he would never deny the Messiah. And I'm sure there's not one person, if I ask in this room, who who is a believer. There may be some non-believers in here or people. Who are deceived, but if I ask you, would you deny the Messiah? You would say, absolutely not. There's no question. I would never deny him. Peter said the same thing. Am I trying to cause you to doubt your faith? No. I'm trying to get you to understand something. What you see happening out there is in the game. If you are a believer in a Muslim nation, a very radical one, do you know they would not even, do you know the speech they would give you? They're going to let you know the cost. They're going to let you know if you put your faith in him, you're going to die. Dr. Brown knows uh, has a ministry fellowship in India, and they will not baptize anyone who won't renounce everything, not tell them to leave their stuff. They don't tell them what to do. And are willing to die for their faith. Because they understand they might only have a few weeks to live at sometimes, Sometimes they live for years. Sometimes they lead many people to faith. But if, they get, if God is using them mightily, their lives become a threat. And the enemy normally sends people in to attack them. So what I'm, what I'm asking you, what I'm, what I'm presenting before you is what it means to be a disciple. It has always meant this. It just hasn't meant that in this nation. And over time, instead of turning up the heat high, they've turned it up just little by little so we can sit through. And I, one of my favorite preachers is Leonard Ravenhill. And he's talking about we need prayer back in the school. He says we need prayer back in the homes. We need prayer back in the congregations. If we were to study the life of the one who we says our Lord, and this says, and Yeshua prayed all night, and if I was to say, how many of us prayed all night? I guarantee you. How many of us travailed in prayer? I guarantee you. We don't pay the price. You know, sinners aren't going to just come to faith. Imagine if the apostles stayed in the upper room. way we stay in our congregations. Imagine if the Lord didn't love us enough to offer himself up for us and we don't have the same love that was in him in us to go out to those who are perishing. And we're we are filled with hate and anger towards the Black Lives Matter, but we won't go out and lay our lives down since some might come to know him. Big difference, huh? How many of us were born not a rebel to God? That's my point. The the Lord the Lord is trying to prepare us for something. The Lord is trying to prepare us for glory. Do you know the kingdom of God is at hand? But it's going to come at an at an expensive price, and it's you. It's going to cost you you. And there's no way you can try to weasel out of it if that's your plan. And there's no way you can escape the reality of what it says in this book. Either you're a disciple or you're not. I was at DFH and people came to me privately. And I stayed in this program and somebody said, Man, don't you can I just be a Christian? I don't actually have to be a disciple to believe. And they all they came around me and I looked at them and said, There's no such a thing. I said, What? He says, go around the world and make disciples. That means messianics, if there's not a disciple, does not know the Lord. That means if a Christian is not a disciple, they are serving their own selves. A disciple serves his master. His master lays his life down for them. His master says, this is him who loves me, the one that keeps my commands. And the one who does not love me... Does not keep my commands. I would just quote that to people there. They would be furious and run away. And later on sometimes they would come weeping and crying. And say yes. I want to give my life to the Lord. But they're in a place of brokenness there. And I kind of figure we ain't there yet. The Lord is going to let whatever it takes. To perfect his body. That might be employment. Employment. That might mean health. That might mean safety. They go, well, no, but in the Torah, it says this. I understand what the Torah says, but if you start studying the prophets' lives, you're going to start to notice something real. real. You're going to read something real. You Study the life of the prophets. Study the, pro- the life of the living sacrifices in, in the Tanakh and see what you find out there. It was tough. They suffered reproaches. Why can't they see that the Messiah was going to suffer reproaches when he's the, the, the arch type shadow? And the pictures was not of the, the sages, but it was of Moses and the prophets. Just like Moses was the one who had direct revelation from God. Just like Moses has a covenant and he gave, brought forth a covenant. So is the one like Moses can't be Joshua because Joshua didn't come and bring a covenant. He has to be exactly like Moses. He means that he has to have the direct revelation from God. And if his direct revelation from God says, renounce all things, that means you, I'm not saying sell all your things unless I literally tell you to. I am saying everything you have belongs to me because I've purchased you with my blood. You're mine. You're the apple of my eye. I'll watch over you. I mediate a covenant day and night for you so that those out there who know not me, Might come to know me. Oh if we can grab that. If you're not stirred. By the words of your Lord. I would be very afraid. Because you may have to. They might make it in this nation. Where it's real difficult to follow him. in In a way where you almost would have to deny him to follow him. In some states they 're really pushing they 're pushing hard, and so it 's important for us to understand the cost it 's expensive, but it 's glorious. I want the fire to fall, but he 's not going to pour out his fire on the sacrifice. I remember when I met david and and and, and I, I I talked to him one day. I, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed in the middle of nowhere on a farm, just praying and praying, seeking the ba- baptism, of fire and fire and fire. Oh, God, please. And God says, I'll never pour these. I won't pour out my fire, but on a sacrifice. And I just shuddered. And I was like, I'm no sacrifice. I'm serving myself. I'm not going to experience those the moves of God. Not like I want to, because I still have my own agenda. Why do you think the apostles were arguing amongst themselves? Why do you think Peter withstood him to his face? Peter had to go through the process of dying to himself. And so do we. In one verse, and it says, he pick up your cross daily and die. So let's, let's look at John. John 12, 21 to 26. These came to Philip who... Who was from Bethsaida? my butcher that one in the Galilee sir they said, we want to see Yeshua Philip comes and tells Andrew and Andrew and Philip come and tell Yeshua Yeshua answers him saying the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified Amen and man I tell you unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies it remains alone but if it dies it produces much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it forever. If any man serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there also will my servant be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Where I am. It wasn't too much longer. After that that the Messiah goes and he washes the feet of his disciples. This is probably right before Peter makes his bold statement. He takes He takes on the mantle of the lowest servant. He takes Do you understand? He is the Son of Man. He is God in the flesh. He takes on the mantle. Do you know what humility is? If you haven't watched the message by our brother, and I haven't got back to you about it, but I've been listening to it repeatedly. And I learned it was looking at him, the most humble one. But that most humble one is most humble because where he humbled himself from. He humbled himself from a place as the word of God and humbled himself taking on the form of a servant. In the presence of his disciples, he humbles himself and begins to wash their feet. And one of them stands up and says, you won't wash mine. Do you know that's what we're getting called to do? The world's not going to, the world, if if the world doesn't see Yeshua, those who have a position and in that position, they begin to slowly depress themselves. If you look at the word lowly, if you look at the word meek in Greek, if you look at the word in Hebrew, it literally means, some of the words mean shattered. It means utterly broken and just small. That's the place of revival. That's the place where God is glorified. This is him who God dwells with. Who? The high and lofty? He said he turned the wisdom of the wise and literally sage unto what? Foolishness. It says it. It's in the scriptures. And he took the foolish or the little ones and he went and he made them, they scratching their heads. How is he working through these people? How is he working through these unlearned and unpeople? How is he doing it? Because they're humbled. Because they're small. And that makes their God big. My brothers and sisters, God's glory is in the one who is the chief servant. We're going to have to be the chief servants we're gonna to have to be the ones by God's grace who goes out in the midst of the people. What is what is the point of Leviticus? What is the point of the What is the point of something that goes and draws? Go, go teach the people to sacrifice so they can draw people near to me. But then if we're getting taught by Satan not to sacrifice, we'll never draw the people to him. It'll cost us too much. We will never go amongst them. Because we're not willing to. Spend our time or our energy or our finances or our prayers and and bring them back to God. There is no other way, or there is another way. You can go mega church. Watch how it survives when things come. You 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 can get big bands and skinny jeans, you can do what they're doing now. There's no power of God. People like, that's the power of God. You see all those people? No. Unholiness. Unrighteousness. Wickedness. No fear of God. The apostles didn't have to do that. Neither do we. All we have to do is that one thing is follow the example of the Lord and surrender all to Him. Right where you are. As little, as young, as old, right where you are, everything. I'm saying get your accounts and get sorted and get it in order. Everything. Because the days to come ahead, the glory of God's gonna be seen. I'm excited about it. So why are you excited about it? Because I know I get to see my God do things I only read about. But it's gonna be so costly. It's going to be, some people are going to be terrified, but when you're not. If you're dead to sin, if you're dead, why would you be scared to die? Perhaps our doctrines don't line up with the word. Perhaps we've received a Western doctrine. Let me save my life. I got my, what is it? What's the AR? What have you got? Listen, you're going to die by the sword. How did the apostles die? That's not for us. Well, how does it so? They're called church fathers. Most How did they go? Have you ever studied Rome and Nero? Is this hard to understand? Or is just not what we want to hear? Just like Peter didn't want to hear. Just began to rebuke me and tell me to be quiet. Tell me to be quiet. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the cost. I'm I'm free. It's about me. No, it's not about you. It's about the Lord. So it's important for us to see the beauty of God. And we see Peter being brought under the terror of a young maiden and denies Messiah. I don't know him. Perfect example. There's a story of a Chinese sister. I spent a lot of time studying like people from around the world. There, They challenged me. And she was in prison because of her faith in China. Under the, the communists. And they have a tactic they really love to use. And the tactic is, we're about to bring your children in there and let you see them. And all you have to do is deny them. And so... They bring her, they bring, they don't, but they don't tell her that. They bring in the kids. And she sees her kids, oh, you know, just, they're like, all you got to do is just deny that old dead carpenter. Deny the Lord of glory. And she looks at him and says, I'll never do it. Never. And they look at her and tell her kids, your mom hates you. And that woman had to choose. This is real life. She had to make a choice. She's not a superhuman. She just believed what the word of God says. She loves her kids dearly. But there was one she loved more. Didn't we just read about that? If Abraham didn't love God more than Yitzhak, he would have never did what he did. There would have never been glory. There would have never been a place called a temple where God was going to send out a people to the whole earth where he can bring all the nations in to make a house of prayer for all people. It would have never happened. And the glory would have never fell upon this woman whose son later on, because he was a communist, she finally got out and went to see him and said, I hate you, I have no mom. It was the price. Oh, no one wants to hear that. But I tell you, She had to do it. She loved her Lord and her children. And I'm sure she's probably still praying for him. Praying that his heart would be softened. This happens all the time. You know that? And for our Western minds, it's it's almost grotesque. I'm I'm trying to say that we we may have received a, a false doctrine here. I think what I read to you about those who whose God is their belly and they they don't like the cross, it's because they have no intention of being crucified with Him. But Peter, Peter is one of my my favorite men. Let's get to... I want to make sure I get to this and, and end with Peter. So, in John 21, 15 to 23, this is the passage where you see Peter after the denial and when he's on the beach and the Lord's looking to restore Peter. You're not going to find it up there. <laughs> so if you want to go there, please go there. When they have finished breakfast. I still hear some pages, but I'm just, I'll am read slow. Yeshua said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you, he said to him. Feed my lambs. This is after Peter gets up and says, I'm going fishing. Because Peter's going to go back to his profession. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. He said to them, take care of my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him for a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Yeshua said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted. But when you grow old, you would stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Now this he said to indicate by what kind of death Peter is going to glorify God. The glory of God in the face of the disciples. It was through death. It was when his will was no longer the obstacle. When he was no longer assaulting God with his own will. Peter turned around, seeing the disciples following This one, the one whom Yeshua loved, who also had reclined against Yeshua's chest at the Seder meal, said, Master, who is the one who is... Whoa, wait a minute. Okay, who is betraying him? He's talking about John. Seeing him, Peter said to Yeshua, Lord, what about him? Yeshua said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brothers and sisters that this disciple would not die. Yet Yeshua did not say to him that he would not die, but if I want him to remain, remain, remain until I come, what is that to you, my brothers and sisters? You cannot remove the glory of God from the price of sacrifice. If you strip the blood and the cost of our gospel, it loses its glory. You can't. You can't be a, camp in resurrection. Without the first part. One, one, um, one, one minister said it's the life he gave, the life that the Messiah lived, who qualified him for the death he gave. He lived a holy and a perfect life, and I tell you what, he still lives. So, to wrap this up, I want to show you what happened to Peter. I'm not going to talk about how he was martyred. But I'll talk about what happened to his mindset. 1 Peter two twenty to 24. For what credit is there if when you sin and get a beating you endure? But if you endure when you do good and suffer for it, this finds favor with God. And for you, for you were called to this because Messiah also suffered for you, leaving you as an example that you might follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, When he was abused, he did not return the abuse. While suffering, he made no threats. Instead, he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. Himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we, removed from sins, might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you are healed. We talk about by his stripes we are healed, and we know that comes from Isaiah 53, but you see here, we are called to follow The footsteps of Messiah. You can't compartmentalize his life. But you got to have all of his life. And I've been searching for this truth for years. And I finally said that's why these people are mighty used by God. It's because they're not their own. Because they don't shrink back from the cost. They understand the fullness of the calling. They understand that their lives are like sheep led to the slaughter. What type of sheep? People think that's the type of sheep you throw on the barbie somewhere and eat. No, he's talking about... He's, the language is sacrificial, like the specific type of sheep that are used for people to come and lay their hands on your head and confess sins and lead people to God. He's saying, you are like a spiritual, you are like a, the lambs of God, like his little flock. And you go and proclaim their master and your master leads them back to him. You have to be willing that our culture has blinded the minds and the eyes of this from us. You we do well to study Timothy and And what it says about in the last days, how men are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. I tell you, go outside and see it. It's right at our doorstep. And again, I have a couple more verses in 1 Peter. For I wanted you to see how Peter, this transformation happens in his heart after, after he died. And lived only by Messiah. Finally, all of you, this is 1 Peter 3, 8 through 17. Finally, all of you, be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, tender-hearted, humble-minded. Pay attention to the attributes of what he's saying. These, these are the attributes you saw from God when he was up on the mountain. When, when the Lord said, show me your glory. When Moses came down and he had his face shining. But you remember, it was only when he saw the goodness of God. And God revealed himself. That's This. Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. It is for this reason you were called. See? Called. Cost. So that you might inherit a blessing. We don't really think being insulted is a blessing, do we? The one who loves. Life, wanting to see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek shalom and pursue it. For the eyes of Adonai are on the righteous and his ears open to their prayer. But the face of Adonai is against those who do evil. And after this I have only one more scripture. But the face of Adam and I is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you just suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not be afraid or worried about their threats. Instead, sanctify Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. This causes hope when you die to yourself. You're no longer worrying about what's going to happen because you have an inheritance internal, uncorruptible, undefiled in heaven. Yet with humility and reverence, keeping a clear conscience so that whenever you are accused of, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Messiah may be put to shame. But it's better to suffer for doing good, if it is God's will, than for doing evil. Finally, First Peter four twelve and two twenty nine. The baptism, the baptism of the Spirit, is a baptism into Messiah. It's into Messiah. All of Messiah. Loved ones, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal taking place among you. To test you. That should make you immediately go back to Abraham. As though something strange was happening to you. Instead, rejoice insofar as you share in the sufferings of Messiah. So that uh, at the revelation of his glory, you may also rejoice and be glad. If you are insulted for the name of Messiah, you are fortunate. For the spirit of glory in God rests on you. It's right in here. The enemy wants to rob us of the glory of Messiah because he's trying to rob us from the intimacy of, of having fellowship in the sufferings with Messiah. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a troublemaker. But if, oh, I already read that part. I'm going to go to verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the house of God. And if judgment begins with us first, what will be the end of those who disobey the good news of God? Now, if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what shall become of the ungodly and the sinner? Then those who suffer according to God's will, let them trust their souls to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. And I'll read verse 16. But if anyone suffers for following Messiah... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in his name. In the other countries that I talked about, you can't pretend to be a believer without openly being compromised. And the days have finally come to our nation. And so the worship team can come forward and I'm going to get ready to pray. If there's anyone here who knows, not only have they not forsaken all things, they've never even heard that they had to. If you've been coming here, you, I'm sure you've heard it. If there's anyone here who's the Holy Spirit and God is speaking to them, about having the fear of the world and of the circumstances. Our God is faithful in all these circumstances. But you're going to have to make a choice. When Yeshua walked by people and said, follow him, they weren't robots. They got up and followed. And when Yeshua, as he walked with those people, began to tell him the price of being his. They entered into a glad surrender. Father God, I pray for those here right now who, that the Holy Spirit, you would speak to them that they would just lay it all down, that they want the glory of the Lord, even in shame, even if his name is, their name is maligned for his name's sake. Father God, I thank you that you are so faithful. That you're, that you're more than willing to, to take the weak and, and the small and, and the little and put your glory upon them like you did with King David. Bless the Lord. Oh, let your soul bless the Lord and hold not back any price. Hold not back, but offer what is due which is everything. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen.